So I think these tiny little lever tweaks, 10% more on your business could be significant. It could be 50 grand. And then we get 20% lift. Now we've added an extra 100 grand. And now we're starting to move in the direction you want to move in. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. You know it, we know it. Next year is creeping up really quick. And if you want to make business boom in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. The new HubSpot sales hub will help you close out the year strong and kickstart your success for 2024. Teams can collaborate on every inch of the customer journey and keep operations running smoothly with a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales analytics tools that keep data connected across teams. Speed up your workflows and navigate your platform with ease with the AI-powered conversational platform, ChatSpot, and use AI Assistant to write copy, generate emails, outline posts, and more. They'll help you whip up assets and execute tasks that used to take hours out of your workday. HubSpot Sales Hub lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out Q4 strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com slash sales. Welcome back to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. We're here with another behind-the-scenes coaching call for you. Today, you're going to hear Suze Fletcher of Super Love Merino. She's selling a high-end product with merino wool that her and her co-founder are incredibly proud of, and they should be, because they saw a massive explosion of sales in 2020, and they have done an amazing job, but sales have flattened out since then. What can they do to recapture the growth and put themselves on an upward trajectory? Let's find out. Welcome to the show. So we are currently working together in the Inner Circle Mastermind, and it's been such a pleasure to get to know you and know about your brand and everything you're doing. But I would love for you to share with our community and our listeners a little bit more about Superlove. Okay. So we are Superlove Merino and clues in the name. We're a Merino wool-centric brand. And mostly we do children's wear, but we've just branched out into women's wear in the last year. We have been going for 10 years. We, we celebrate our 10 years next month. And basically, yeah, we're a startup, bootstrapped, completely from the ground up product-based brand to the point where about two years after we started our brand, we decided that we were going to in-house the production. For those that have experienced Merino, you'll know that it's pretty expensive stuff. And 
we were just finding that unless we had complete control over the production, any mistakes were just too expensive. So basically it's Becky and myself and we are a bit like yin and yang really. Becky is a like really amazing product designer. She can kind of take an idea and make it into something real. And I am a sort of extroverted, businessy sort of person that likes to make things happen, but I actually can't sew a stitch. So we really need each other. And we've had 10 years of being two halves of a whole. And she's, we're like work wives now. We're like, we're probably more close than we are to our husband. Yeah, I mean, in that time, we have gone from knowing every name that came through our Shopify website every order to now we're much bigger and we had this huge doubling during the COVID year we literally doubled and we had no staff either because they were all at home looking after their children so that was not very fun but it was amazing where we kind of went from about 200,000 a year to 400,000 a year and since then we've kind of We haven't really slid back, but we haven't grown any further either. We sort of doubled overnight in 2020. And then in 2021, 22, 23, we've sort of carried along along that, it would be 500 US mark, half a million. So, and I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it isn't just us. We have four staff. We have a large premises because we are a factory. We have lots of machines. So we've got ourselves a pretty complicated and difficult business. We often say there has to be easier ways to do this. So it's big, but it's also very complex and very hungry. And both Becky and I frequently have periods of overwhelm where we're really, you know, we have lots of things going on where we are still quite in the business. That's kind of, yeah, that's our 10 years in a nutshell. Okay. Amazing. And I want to congratulate both of you on having a half a million dollar business. It's huge, but I totally get what you're saying. Now, listen, we can have these huge leaps and bounds years. And I'm sure you experienced that, right? So you grew rapidly, you doubled your business, which is significant, 250,000 to half a million. And then probably you needed to restructure your business as well. I'm sure you needed to get back into the operations of it, the team, because you needed to meet the demand and have, because you said it was just really the two of you back then when it all Mm. blew up in a good way? Uh, We had a couple of staff then and we had already begun our factory at that point. Actually, our staffing hasn't massively changed since then. It was just the two of us to begin with. But, you know, after sort of year two or three, I can't even remember now, Becky, but, you know, we started out uh, getting our product in from an external factory and then we've in-housed it from there. And actually now we have a slightly mixed model where we do a tiny bit of outsourcing. But I think Becky said to me earlier, it was about 80% of what we sell, we make. Whether that's where we should be, we're not sure, but that's what we felt like we had to do to get that quality the way we wanted it. And we've kind of gone through this thing of, in the first couple of years, we were just focusing on creating all of the structures for the business and creating the range and getting our supply chain right. And then in the next couple of years, the big bad boss that we had to tame was production itself. And we've really only just done that things like having all the fabric at the right time of year rather than having to buy it in dribs and drabs. You know, we've had to take a deep breath and take some working capital to be able to do that. But that's enabled Becky to make huge efficiency changes to the factory. 
And now we're in this position where, right, the last bastion that we, it's probably not the last bastion, but it's probably a false summit, but it's marketing now. Marketing is now the last problematic area that we really feel like we need to do something about it. We've grown almost entirely on word of mouth. Now we're getting into the core topic here, marketing. Susan Becky had some explosive growth in early 2020, but they've leveled out since then. They want to capture some of that growth again, and they believe that marketing is going to be the way to get there. But is it? Let's take a look. Okay. So let's dive into the details here. So looking at your site and your range, you have baby kids and women, as well as sleeping bags for babies. So you said you're mainly a kid's company, but you do have women's. How much of your business is the women's wear? Um, it's probably less than 10%. At this point, we only launched it last winter. And that was purely because we kept getting asked for it by the mums. They were touching these baby clothing and seeing how happy and warm their children were. And they were kept on, we just kept on getting this comment over and over again. I wish you would do adults. And so we kind of did it hesitantly because there is more Merino out there for adults than there is for kids. However, yeah you know, you do what your customers tell you when they tell you enough. So. Well, do we then? <laughs> so I do want to say. I don't know. You're probably going to tell me that's the wrong thing. <laughs> you made the patterns. You have the yeah. product. So here's the deal. When you say it's probably 10%, you are making $50,000 a year then off of the women's wear versus $450,000 off of the kids apparel and sleeping bags. Does that sound yeah. accurate? Okay. So, well, you've done it, so we're not going back on it currently, but I want you to, and I know you said, well, they keep asking for it, but the question is people can always tell you they want something, but are they putting their money where their mouth is? Mm -hmm. And so the demand while they were asking for it is not super, super high. So I know from fashion and manufacturing, you know, the development of patterns, cut and sew, making the pieces, like you're spending a lot of money on this product and then you're going, you're waiting to Mm -hmm. sell it. Now, is it an alternative market that you can get into? Absolutely. But it's also a very different market too. So when moms follow brands, they're going to follow baby brands and they're going to love all the little baby pictures and the baby wrap and the sleeping bag and all the things. And then you've got the apparel and it almost needs its own marketing platform for it. So... While I'm not going to tell you to change anything massively right now, there's a couple ways you can go about this. There's Hannah Anderson, which is a big brand here in the States, who mainly is baby and kids. And they do dip into adults, but only during the holidays because they do family matching PJs, Mm -hmm. for example. So that's when they dip into the adult sizes, but it's not all year. And when you follow them, you're like, this is a children's brand first and a family brand second, but they have not launched a, as far as I know, they haven't launched a women's wear line or a men's wear line. And like they, they do beautiful cotton pieces, but they're not expanding into that market. So I think as you both start to process this either it's a website where the super love Merino kids or whatever, or like women's and they're almost their own tabs. So that if you did do marketing for women's people come in to that and you're growing an audience there gap here in the mm-hmm. States. If you go, there's like gap kids, gap body, gap men's gap women's mm-hmm. having different brand tabs so that the marketing can be different. Because when I land on your site, 
like you said, you know, your very first picture is a, such an adorable baby in a crib and there's kids and baby and all that. And then there's women and it's okay, but she may be here more to buy for her children or it's a connection over. So you show photos and you make it about like matching because you've got the kids. So you show a family together in all the matching solids. Cause right now we can all match in prints, but what about for the family who actually doesn't really necessarily want the prints? Like you could almost take a positioning that it's not about prints. It's about the solids mm. and like, you know, imagine like cute family photos. I want you to just kind of show it or mommy and me matching set. Mm-hmm. So your photography for the women, the photos are of women and as a brand for women, they're fine. But as a brand for moms, and I'm going to say younger or new moms based on what you're selling to the children, because their sleeping bags and babies are quite big for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're out. Yeah. So you have to think about birthing age. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this in the most polite way, not polite. I'm not trying to be ageist. But if we're thinking about who the customer is, then she needs to see herself reflected in the photos. Does that make sense? Yeah. Before we can start talking about marketing, we need to get really clear on what we're selling and who we're selling to. You know that we're all about the best sellers here at The Product Boss, and that's what we're trying to focus on here. If we could only push one thing with super love, what's it going to be? So from a marketing perspective, I just want you to weave together stories of why mom, because she's the making the buying decisions, where and why she's going to buy women's wear from you and kids wear. Kids, you have babies, toddlers, they can buy across all their children. And how could we think about, you know, gifts for every, like gifts for the family? Obviously dad's left out, but that's okay in this particular case. (laughs) That's why we haven't carried on because... We, we wanted to do it, but in a very sort of secondary, cross-selly kind of way. We definitely didn't mm-hmm. want to compete with what our main game is, you know. And, I mean, all of our mm-hmm. branding is kind of geared towards that. It's not appropriate branding for men's merino, I don't think. And Yeah, well, you know, if for right now, what we want to see is we want to see growth. And you can think about growth as vertical or so you were thinking, how do we create other brands? Because if we can make $450,000 off kids, can we add on women's and make $450,000? Just say, for example. But right now, the core customer base that you have, and like you said, the word of mouth, people telling people about your brand, that's how you grew. That is staying within the mom circles for children and babies. So now what I want to dig into, because you said you've hit this plateau, I know you run ads, so we're constantly running like customer acquisition. We're getting new customers, but do you know the return rate of your current customers? Like how many people come back and they buy again? Yeah, it's about 65%. So, um, I mean, you know, at any given time, it's quite high and we use a really, I mean, this is the finest Merino possible to get hold of. It's our obsession and... And really, we'd, we'd be more profitable if we just used the cheap stuff, but we don't. And so as a result, right. we do have a reasonable high, we have a reasonably high expectation that when people buy it once, which is probably through a gateway product like a sleeping bag or a baby item, they're likely to come back. And I guess, again, that's why we sort of, I think if we had to push like a woman's wear range from the beginning and try and sell it in from scratch, it would be a harder proposition for us to justify. 
but it's they're easy to sell simply because if the mum has any disposable income left over, then she's likely to sort of say, oh, I, I kind of, I want that. And it sort of sells itself to that same customer, we hope. But uh, yeah, that's, it is about, I mean, it's, yeah, it's been as high as 75 month on month. Sometimes it's down at 60, but it averages out at around 65% of people are. Uh, because home. I want to figure out why there's the plateau, because if you're working on customer acquisition and we've got new people always, plus we have 65 to 75% of people coming back to purchase. And we know that there's a certain amount of time. So we know that for baby, let's say she came in and she started buying sleeping bags for baby. We have to sell her as many sleeping bags as we can during that probably first to 18 months year of life, right? Of their babies, because that's when they need the sleeping bags the most. And then they will either keep them and save them for baby number two, or if they're having a baby of a different gender or they're thinking of something else, they might come back and say, okay, now I'm going to buy the next, you know, another colorway, for example. But she might be resourceful when it gets to second kids that she's going to kind of keep things and keep it going. So we have this life cycle in the baby section of about, you know, newborn-ish to, so pre, we've got people buy stuff for gifts, like baby showers, Right then baby's born. And then we have probably up until 18 months of life of in terms of needing the sleeping bags. So we have to think about each section and say, if we've captured that customer, then how does their marketing, maybe there's like a timer or a way to segment in your email list that when they've been on the list for a certain amount of time from a, a sleeping yeah. bag, do you already do this? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about yeah. this exact thing recently. We haven't haven't worked okay. out exactly how to do it yet. We've been delving around in the back of Clavio, which we use. And it seems like it's really powerful what you can do in there. We, we haven't managed to make the segments, but we are planning to do that because we do a toddler sleeping bag, which is like the next step. Mm. And really mm-hmm. what we're not doing is sending those customers that have bought a baby sleeping bag an email to say, oh, your baby must be a toddler now. Move on. Here's a here's the next step. Yeah. And yeah, so that's a bit of a like low-hanging fruit that we've not picked yet off the tree. Yes. Because what we want is we want lifetime value of the customer. And because you're capturing the customer, you could capture them as early as registries, baby shower registries, right? That's and that's maybe not them buying it unless they knew about it, right? Because you said your word of mouth. So they're putting you on their registry and then people are purchasing it. So they wanted this is their imagination of all the things that the new mom thinks about that she wants to bring home baby in or have. And then the idea is like, how do we follow through and how do we, like you said, move them then from the stages of, of newborn baby, toddler to kids and grow with them. So you can do retargeting simply from people who have purchased the sleeping bag. And it could even say six months ago or within, you know, six months to a year ago. And you say, hey, did you know we have toddler sleeping bags, right? If you Instead of the capturing in the very beginning, you could just try some retargeting emails because like this lowest hanging fruit for, all, for you all is going back to the customers that have bought and continuing to get them to buy. Because I want to see what percentage, it's not that we want 100% of your sales to come from return customers. No, we want the... Di- the diversification and we want to be acquiring new customers because that's how you're going to continue to grow. But how do we get them to spend more money with you and have a longer lifetime value with you? So if you can look at that and you can pull some data together and think, what's the lifetime value of our customer up until this point? And then how can we increase that? Just that small margin 
will be significant enough to start to bump you up because I know you want to get to 750,000 to a million. So if we can start playing with smaller numbers, I think you can start to move the needle a little bit. And like you said, it's lowest hanging fruit. From customer acquisition perspective, you're paying for ads, which means you're bringing people in and you have a pretty good ROAS, which is a return on your ad spend. So I think it's this internal structure of, and trust me, because over here at the product boss, we also have been talking about segmenting our list better (laughs) and what's the customer journey and where do they come in at? And it's like, it feels like this complex maze that we have to really wrap our heads around to figure it out. So think on the simpler ways. You might just do retargeting campaigns or not retargeting emails that are just like, did you know we also carry this? So letting them just like, you can even just think about it as brand awareness within the brand. And then with Clavio, you actually can target people. You can send emails. If they bought this, I want to email them something. Think about emails as a billboard in their inbox. Hey, we're still here. And did you know? I just realized that with Janie and Jack, which is a big brand here, my daughter's eight. And I think they had only ever carried up until eight. And in the stores, they only carry up until five or six. Not that I can get this kid to wear the clothes I want to dress her in anymore, (laughs) but they go to tween now. And I didn't know that they went to tween. And I personally, as the mom, am a fan of this brand. And every time I walk by, I have like nostalgia for wanting to get my kids back into it. But I had no idea they went all the way to tween because their images are still reflecting young children. So, but knowing me that I was a customer and I bought maybe every other month, like new stuff came out, I was buying stuff. It would be really great if they told me. Because if I've been a customer of theirs for the last eight to 10 years, then my kids are older, they could let me know, you know? So I think when you're thinking about that, you can think about that. And do you have abandoned cart sequences? Yes. We do. So the other thing you can offer and going your what you're saying, Becky, is you can just think about your highest, your customers that have spent the most with you. You can definitely pull that data out and say, hey, who, what is the top 10% of our customers? And you can create a marketing campaign saying like, you're one of our best customers. Here's something. I just got an email today from, you would call it football. We'll call it soccer over here in America. We'll call it soccer. <laughs> so I'm with you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I had paid for, I guess I'd paid for premium seats when I went to an LA galaxy game and they have that data because I've received multiple emails now from a woman at the galaxy. That's like, Hey, looks like you bought premium seats. Would you like to talk about, they're probably trying to sell me like season tickets, season seats. They're probably trying to sell me that because they're like, Oh, if this person paid more to be closer to the field, maybe they want something. And I am a new customer, but they saw my actions as a customer and they're targeting me. And I was like, you know what? I'll jump on a call. I give them my husband's number, not mine, because I actually don't have time to jump on a call. (laughs) But I was like, that's interesting. They tracked my purchase and they raised me up to this like top tier line where they're like, oh, this person could potentially be someone who will pay for season tickets. So for you, it's kind of the same idea. You're super fans, the people who really love you you could absolutely offer them some sort of discount if you wanted, or you could also do the other side where there's like those member loyalty points that people earn points with you. And people love a really good game. Like I'm, I've been with Aveda since forever. And on my birthday month, I get three times the points if I spend in that month. So I would always wait to buy 
all my products then and I made it to the top level. So you can do birthday month, double points. They can earn points with you, things like that. And another thing you can also do is you could always send out a survey that's like your kid's birthday month. Like they could register their kids Mm -hmm. and then you can send them a promotion to try and like, hey, you got a discount in the month of whatever, your birthday. So I think incentives like that. And then what I see as the lowest hanging fruit for you right now is going back to your current customers. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. We can do that. It's podcast recommendation time. And I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite shows right now, which is Imperfect Action, hosted by Steph Taylor. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network the audio destination for business professionals. Now, if you want marketing insights without the fluff, I'd love for you to tune in to this podcast. Now there's an episode recently that I love and it's called Stuck and Overthinking. Here's how to start taking imperfect action in your business. And this episode is a game changer. Steph unveils a four-step process to move past hurdles and just dive in. It's real actionable advice from a marketing pro. So... Listen to Imperfect Action wherever you get your podcasts. Calling all product-based business owners that are making over $100,000 in their business. That's right. If you're making $100,000 to a million dollars, this is for you. Now, before I talk about this free masterclass that I'm so excited to bring you, I wanted to talk about the fact that did you know that only 12% of women-led businesses make it to $100,000 a year? And what's even crazier is that only 2% make it to a million dollars in revenue. All right, my friends, this is where we have to change these stats. So if you're at this level, you've shown you've got what it takes. But what got you here is not going to be the thing that gets you to that next level. And so it's time to learn some new tricks. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, join our exclusive free masterclass, The Proven Path to a Profitable Million Dollar Business, and discover the secrets to breaking free from the being the bottleneck, assembling a capable team, and embracing your role as a CEO, who, by the way, takes vacations while the sales still roll in. So if your business is making more than $100,000 a year and you're ready to kick your business up a notch, secure your spot for December 5th at theproductboss.com slash level up. It's theproductboss.com slash level up. Let's make 2024 your breakthrough year. Look, running a business is hard enough, right? We don't want to make things any more difficult than they need to be. So when you found something that works, sometimes the simplest thing to do is to double down on it and get even more out of it. But we're not going to stop there. Suze has been looking at branching out into Amazon. So let's see if that's a smart move for the business and how they can leverage a new platform. So a quick question to answer for you, because you're saying Amazon. Yeah, we've wrestled with it a bit. Okay. We've decided to do it, but in a limited way where we've got a lot of stock things. Some things we've outsourced. So we have much higher stock levels than the things that we make in house. And so I guess we can afford to have those open up on another channel. And I guess we like the fact that it isn't all out there. It's you've still got to come to our website for the full experience. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, we don't really know. It's a hard one. We're only going off how we feel about Amazon. And Amazon in the States might be quite different. I mean, we certainly saw it as, as it, 
having potential, not so much in Britain because we have a presence here, but perhaps a channel mm-hmm. to be discovered by new people, but as a possible way of selling into the States a bit more because obviously to ship one by one, it's just a bit harder. We do have quite a lot of customers from the States, but considering the size of the States, not really, you know, it could be much bigger. So we had thought about like setting up on Amazon as a way in there. So I don't know what you think about that. Yes. I'm just looking at the Amazon percentage of households in the U.S. because we have quite an addiction to Amazon mm, here. We do need to. <laughs> so, <laughs> so approximately back in 2022, 62.2% of the United States population held an Amazon Prime membership. And they said by the end of 2025, the figure will be about 65.4. So approximately six in every 10 individuals in the U.S. is a Prime member. So... What that means is literally, I even, I was thinking about something I needed the other day and I was like, I actually don't know where to shop for this anymore other than Amazon. I didn't even, I couldn't even conceive of a store I could go to for the thing that I needed. And I know that's unfortunate for small businesses and mom and pop shops, but you know, a lot of retailers have gone out. So I love your idea of where you're going because it does not have to be the entire product suite, but if you're already a visible brand and someone knows they're going to be looking for you on Amazon. And Amazon has Amazon registry, which a lot of people do baby registries on it. So it would be very easy for somebody to do an Amazon baby registry and attach your products to their registry. And the purchases just happen through that. Right. Do you know the brand and that friends don't shop from them because they're competition? So we're just going to say, <laughs> keep. Yeah. We've had conversations with them about some of their prints that are very close to ours. So we don't love them. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So I know I saw it. I was like, mm. so they are on Amazon US and they have thousands of reviews. And this is not to say you can't be on here either, because again, your brand is also well known. Mm-hmm. So they have their ultimate baby sleeping bag of their four season one has 2,876 reviews, mm-hmm. five stars. Mm-hmm. And it's $109. So I think that if you can, I know they're your competition, but also looking at, they have the toddler sleep slack. They've got a, f- a few pieces of kids clothes, but not really a couple blankets, but really it's like the sleep sack. Yeah. And that they have on here. And I will agree that when I was buying sleep sacks for my kids, I was buying the, like the linen, not linen, the, you know, the cotton, Aiden and Nace yeah. brand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know that back then I was buying that. I lived in Southern California. Yeah. We didn't need wool, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I like the idea of you setting up a brand registry site because that's what they have. So take a look at what they have. It's a brand registry, which means it, it looks like your own website. You you use this as like a homepage and then people are searching for it, but you may just want to make sure that you look different enough from them. Yeah. So if products are crossing over that it just feels a bit different, not from your side, but from their side. But yeah, I think it's an interesting option and you'll reach, you'll be able to reach a lot more households and thinking of convenience from a mom perspective. She needs something and she needs it now. She's going to order it on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. I mean, I guess, yeah, there's levels in Merino. I'll just say that. And it's not Mm -hmm. And I guess we've held back from going on Amazon because of brands like that. 
which it's just the thin stuff. And it, we don't want to sort of stand next to that and think, you know, this is the same. It's just a different color. We've got to think about how we present that really. And it'll be a funny thing for us to get started when we don't have the reviews at, the, at first. You do, Yeah, you don't, but that's okay. I mean, because right. You're going to build it. Not on Amazon. Yeah. And maybe you don't come out with the entire product. So you, you just go straight with like a singular product across variations. Yeah. And what I love about Amazon is it allows for video now. And so in your video and in some of your other images, you can say what's different. You know, like it can be like superior quality, ways that you can actually do these words or symbols that make them realize it's different and it's more expensive because it's different. And then you can tell your, through your email, you can tell your American customers, we're on Amazon right now and you send them a link to shop. And what happens is, if they go buy and they buy it once, it starts to make, it raises you up naturally. Yeah. And then you can ask them if you purchase, cause we're brand new to this, please leave us a review, mm. you know, and you can ask them for the review of when, if, and when they purchase. And then, cause you already have an audience and a customer base. So you're not starting from scratch on Amazon yeah. because you have the cu- customers. You just have to tell them. And it's okay if you let them shop from Amazon mm. And that they're not shopping from your own website while you're building that side of the business. And also know that, like you said, you're going to have a limited range Mm. there. So they'll buy out of convenience. And then when they discover it, they'll go check out your website and be like, oh, there's so much more I can buy. And here's the thing. When you start anything new and when you've been doing something for a really long time, we get kind of afraid and scarcity kicks in. We're like, oh my gosh, it's going to like cut sales over here. And now we're going to be selling on Amazon and they're not going to come buy from us over here. And we're going to be spending, you know... 15% plus on Amazon doing this for us. But do you have a fulfillment center here in the States or do you ship from the UK? Uh, You know, we ship from the UK, which is, yeah, that's not sensible. I mean, to be honest, it probably only costs us the same amount because that that 15% that we would be paying to Amazon, we keep, but we spend it because we offer free shipping above a certain level. So obviously we have, there's a cost to us, but it would be better for the customer. And I know that I shop from Amazon because I'm an impatient sort of person, I often will look on Amazon because I I know how long it will take to come and I don't have to try and figure out how long it will take and I don't like waiting anyway. So yeah, that's bad, isn't it? Most of us aren't used to that anymore. So I think then what, so because Amazon can also act as a fulfillment, like a 3PL center for you. So long-term, you could have certain inventory that you ship to the States that's housed by Amazon and Amazon, I think it connects to your Shopify site. So it can actually do your fulfillment for Shopify and it can do your fulfillment for Amazon. So it could eventually be like a really strong partner, but knowing that you could build a million, $2 million business on Amazon alone, and then also have your website doing the same amount that it's been doing Mm. because of the reach Six out of 10 households are on Amazon. And because of the type of product you sell and because you already have the namesake, like you could absolutely build a very strong business on there with less, with not a lot of products. So I think it's a good idea. You'll test and try. It'll be a little bit of a learning curve. And I think, and we could keep working on this throughout the mastermind, but thinking about, you know, how do we drive traffic there? What else do we need to do? Mm. But I think it's a, I think it's a good move. And when you said for a premium brand, premium brands are on there now. Like it depends on if they're fashion or not fashion, but for what you have, absolutely. 
Amazon is a powerful sales platform. I mean, you heard those stats, right? Over 60% of the U.S. is an Amazon Prime member. But how you approach getting sales on Amazon is going to vary depending on your business strategy. Superlove sells a premium product, which can work on Amazon, but they're also incentivizing customers to visit their website and see the full collection of products they have available. Whatever you're doing in business, you'll want to approach it with a clear goal in mind. What else can I cover for you? Well, we were talking today about overwhelm and how hard it is to do the marketing, which is kind of sitting on my desk at the moment and I'm getting through some of it, but I'm not getting through as much. You know, for instance, that segmenting job has been sitting with me for over a month, probably more like two months. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not getting to it because I have all these other things that I'm doing. And I'm just about managing to do some campaign marketing. I'm putting an email out, you know, once every 10 days and doing a bit on Instagram, probably not as much as I should be, but as much as I can. But generally the sense is overwhelm. And Vicky and I were talking about it today and wondering whether we are in our own way a bit here. We have a Google Ads freelancer who's amazing. And we have a marketing consultant who's um, really technical. She's like a techie whiz who works in with us as well. But generally all of the execution is falling to us or me. And we were talking today about whether we should start outsourcing more and whether we should get someone to do some PR for us, whether we should get somebody to do some SEO copywriting, which is another job that's sitting on my desk. And I tend to get the jobs that I sort of know how to figure out, but I don't actually know how to do. And I've probably never done it specifically before. But I'm just that kind of person that will go and and work it out. But it does take me probably 8 billion times longer than it would take a pro, even though I'll get there in the end. And I guess it's just feeling a bit like crawling through glue. I think I might be a bit of a funny control freak too. There might be behavioral stuff stuff there. I, I am. It is difficult for me to outsource things. I'm known for outsourcing things and then snatching them back in disgust. But I'm trying to get better and I do think I, I need some help. And I guess we were like, oh, you know, so do we need to, do we need to, do we need to work with an agency? I mean, we did work with an agency a couple of years ago and they wasted heaps of money and we didn't get anything. It was maybe it wasn't the right think, agency, but. So when you start to reach these levels, so people are always afraid, you know, when we talk to somebody in the very beginning of their businesses and they're like, they're afraid to grow because they don't know they can't even conceive how it would be to make and manufacture and do all the things to hit the revenue levels that they'd be at. Now you're at that revenue level. So you're actually on another side of it where you are the bottleneck of your business. So if everything is sitting on your desk and even Becky, eventually she might end up being the bottleneck and she might need a production assistant. She, you know, eventually does Becky need to be in quality control and spreadsheets and all that. No, she might need to be like higher level as you grow and become a million dollar business, $2 million business, $10 million business. And she's going to need doers. You, Suze, also need doers. So when you don't grow, and I come from a place of scarcity where I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're only making this much money and the profit and we need the profit and all the things. And who do we hire? This is a couple of years ago where I really wanted to keep our profit level high, but we weren't hiring and we were burning out. And also our capacity and capabilities to keep up with all the things just wasn't that. And what, where do we belong? We belong high, like top of the org chart, visioning, 
doing the things that we maybe like finance. I'm right there with you. Like I keep finance under my belt, things like that, but I'm not doing the profit and loss. I'm not doing any of the billing. I have a team for that. I'm just overseeing it. The goal for both of you long-term as partners will be that someone is actually submitting reports to you. You're looking at the reports. You get to glance over them or spend some time with them. Know the, the parts that you know about each sides of the business that you handle and say green light, red light, yellow light, right? So this looks good. This is a problem. Hey, Becky, hey, Suze, we need your you know opinion on it. Or like everyone all hands on deck. And especially I think with production, right? But eventually Becky won't be doing it all. And eventually you won't either. And it is going to take you taking things off your plate. So when we're thinking about hiring, you need to think, is it consequential and is it irreversible? So if you hired someone to do your marketing, it's not going to end your business and it's not irreversible, right? Like if they sent out an email and you're like, ah, the link is broken, or maybe it didn't really fully resonate with how I want. That's okay. Just give them the feedback and let them do it again next time, right? Send out another email. Oops, link is wrong. So we have to really gauge from the co-founder CEO role of our business. We need to gauge what is really important. What's really important for Becky is fabric comes on time and that there's, you know, quality control, production is happening, units are being made. We're not losing a lot of money, right? Suze, for you, what's happening? You're looking at profitability, you know, uh, P&Ls, you're looking at customer growth. We're looking at our sales happening because you're making sure the money's coming in. And then what we need is we need the doers to reach the people. And, you know, I've, I had to write last night because we've been in transition on our team and I had to write emails. I had to write scripts. And I was like, what am I doing? I was like, we need a copywriter on the team because my time sitting there and thinking about all the copy, I would rather be able to someone give me the copy. They get it after I've trained them. I get to show up, record or do the stuff I need to do and then move on to the next really big piece of the business. I cannot be stuck in the weeds. And so you're getting yourself stuck in the weeds. So when we talk about SEO, I don't think you need that right now. I think what we need to think about is you could hire an email expert or someone who understands e-commerce copywriting that's really churning out emails. They know your marketing initiatives. They know the product that's coming. They know what you want to sell. They know what you, Suze, are going to be at like the top. You're like, this is our marketing initiative. In the month of November, we're going to be selling this. And each week we want to promote different things. And you do that. And then you give that and someone else takes it and they write the emails. They get the photos together. They shoot, they actually get them up and shoot them out. And if social media is a big part of your game, you can also include that. But I don't even know that an agency is necessary versus there's a lot of people out there that can be contractors and not full-time that can either deliver you per piece. Like we will do three emails a week for you for X amount of money. Or, hey, can you work for me 10, 15 hours a week and you're going to handle all of my content? Mm. Okay, yeah. The point in hiring is to take things off of your plate as a business owner so that you can focus on the things that matter most, the things you love doing in your business. Yes, it can be difficult upfront to find the right people. There will be a transition before you see the results. But if you want your business to grow and you're already feeling overwhelmed, there's no other option. So I just want you to look at when you invest in team members, it's getting stuff off your plate so you can do higher level stuff, allows for you to be visionary. 
and you're no longer the bottleneck because what also is stopping your growth, we know that there's the return customer aspect and then there's the customer acquisition, but are we marketing them to them enough to be driving sales? So I think these tiny little lever tweaks could really, you know, 10% more on your business could be significant. It could be 50 grand. And then let's, we get 20% lift. Now we've added an extra hundred grand and now we're starting to move in the direction you want to move yeah. in. Awesome. I think you've got a great business. I'm really proud of both of you and that you've been able to, and Becky, cause I come from your world too. Like I do not envy you being in the factory, but I miss it also. <laughs> <laughs> Quality control days when I was like going through everything and all the things. But you're doing a great job. So we'll continue to kind of dig into this in the mastermind. But I'd love for you for the podcast purpose, if you could share with our listeners how they can follow you and how they can buy from you. Okay. Well, our website is superlovemerino.com. And we're on Instagram as superlovemerino, at superlovemerino. And that's our main two channels. And I guess on Amazon soon too. We'll let you all know. We're still going going through the, it's a real process getting on there, isn't it? So it is, but I think it'll be a really cool add-on as a revenue channel as well for you as well and solve some of the logistical issues, especially being in the UK. It helps you reach more uh, people in the US. So thank you so much. I absolutely loved this call with Suze. We were able to look at her product offerings and hone in on her bestsellers so her marketing was focused and consistent. We broadened her sales channels by opening up multiple streams of income, and we helped her get on the path to beating overwhelm by outsourcing some of her tasks, as long as she can get over that pesky perfectionism. So as always, there are universal lessons to be found in these specific case studies. If you relate to any of Sue's circumstances, Apply some of these tactics we discussed and see what can happen in your business. And if you see a win or you had an aha moment, make sure to DM me over on Instagram at the product boss. I'd love to hear your key takeaway. Thanks friends. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the product boss podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the product boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you. If you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone, you know, so we can impact more lives. And remember subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode. So you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you friends. And remember there is room at the top for all of us.